And um, you say, well, of course Christians smell. Haven't you been in a locker room or in a bathroom or after, uh, after exercising? Um, or there's certain fabrics that we wear that are moisture wicking, but man, those collect the uh, body odor. You're like, whoo, man, Christians do smell. That's not what we're talking about today. Uh, and we'll see in, in 2 Corinthians 2 uh, what we do smell like to different people. Smells give flavor to life. Smells also trigger memories. You may have a perfume, men, that you would never buy for your wife because your ex-girlfriend used to wear that perfume, and you cannot smell it without thinking of the bad memories of that relationship. There are other smells that trigger memories, some good and some bad. Aromas also entice you to buy or eat something. Ask uh, amusement parks that they pump smells of waffle cones and cotton candy and other smells that entice you to purchase their overpriced food. Smells also turn you off to stay away if possible, like the smell of roadkill. There is one herb that most of us know and either love it or hate it. There's not really any in between. That herb is known as coriander, Chinese parsley, or cilantro. Studies have shown that about 75 to 80% of people in surveys uh, that taste this say it tastes like fresh lemon or lime, and it's used in many salsas, guacamoles, or cilantro lime rice if you go to a Tex-Mex burrito place. However, for 20 to 25% of people surveyed, it has the flavor of dish soap. And you might be in that category where you just can't stand the smell of taste of cilantro. This is caused by genes that detect aldehydes, and you may, in science, remember formaldehydes that preserved uh, dead things before we dissected them in biology. But some people have this gene that detects these aldehydes, this smell in the plant. And uh, how can one plant, though, taste so good to some and so bad to others? The same is true for Christians today. Our lives are the aroma of Christ to all people. It doesn't say that we should be. This text says we are. We are the aroma of Christ to all people. To Christ's followers, we smell one way, and to those not following Christ, we smell just the opposite. Our God is behind the smell of our lives. He is working in and through our lives as we interact with many around us. We can easily get overwhelmed with ministry to the church and to the world. In this text of Scripture, this book is about ministry. And God wants us to be encouraged by the aroma of our ministry. If you've ever created smells that your family enjoyed, you want to replicate that. If you ever have been in a car, in a kitchen, somewhere with your family, and you created a smell that they did not enjoy, you want to limit that smell. Our lives smell. Why do we need this passage of Scripture? Because we don't realize that God is using our lives to influence others. And smells influence 
lives. Spiritually, we're talking about spiritual smells and not physical smells like cilantro or body odor today. We are talking about how we smell spiritually to people. If we realized that we are smell a certain way to influence others, we would thank God constantly. And Paul here, thanks be to God, he says in verse 14. I'm not going to preach verses 12 and 13, but I'll mention them. I probably should have preached them last week with verses 11 and previous. But verse 12 says, when I came to Troas, this is on the Aegean Sea, north of Miletus and Ephesus, which we saw in the video this past Wednesday. Uh, Troas is on the coast there of modern-day Turkey, and Paul is headed north to Macedonia, and he, remember, has written this letter that was hard. It grieved him to write it. He knew it would bring grief to the Corinthians to read it, and he sends Titus after to get a report of how the letter went over in Corinth, and he's expecting Titus to come back and give a report, and so he's Uh, knows the the road that Titus is traveling to meet back up with uh, Paul and others. And so Paul doesn't want to wait, even though they have an open door to preach the gospel of Christ in Troas, uh, Paul could not not wait for an answer uh, or a report from Titus on how it was going in Corinth after that tearful letter in uh, chapter 2, verse 4. So I couldn't find my brother Titus there at Troas, so I took my leave of them, went to Macedonia following the road that Titus would travel, and he goes to Macedonia, which is where uh, Philippi is, and Thessalonica, and Berea, and that's where he finds Titus. We see in chapter 7 the report that Titus gives, so we're not going to jump ahead to there, uh, but he gives a good report and caused Paul's heart to be relieved. And so that's, uh, that's verses 12 and 13. And so others are accurately reflecting Christ and are spreading the aroma of Christ. And so we'll get to uh, chapter 7 in uh, a few months here. Verse 14, Paul says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Thanking God, since God is using our lives to constantly influence others, we should live thankful lives speaking of our Savior. And influence is this smell. We all smell as Christians. Thanking God for our position In his ministry, where is our position in verse 14? But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. We are in Christ Jesus. This is a very secure position. The moment that we turn from our sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as our Savior, we are taken out of the world. We are raised from uh, dead and trespasses sins to new life, and we are seated at God's right hand, in heavenly places, uh, Ephesians 2 said, because we are in Christ. Ephesians says that we are in Christ over 38 times. And here, other parts of uh, the New Testament that Paul writes tells us of this position, that we are in Christ. It is a victorious position. 
Notice the, what Paul says here. We are in Christ. We are always in Christ. And he is always leading us in triumphal procession. What is triumphal procession? Well, in Boston, we know a thing or two about triumphal processions, don't we? Because 12 times in the last, from 2002 to 2019, we've had 12 triumphal processions. What happened? Well, the, the owners of the duck boats got with the city of Boston and said, hey, we have these amphibious boats. We would love for you to use them. So when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl in uh, early 20, uh, 2002, uh, they started uh, what uh, was probably, to many of you, unexpected, a reign of 12 different duck boat parades. Six had to do with the Patriots four to do with the Red Sox, and one each of the Bruins and um, the Celtics. And you know what happens with duck boat parades? I think the biggest one, the biggest attendance of one, was 1.5 million people gathered along the parade route. The population of Boston is 600,000 people, so this is triple the population of Boston gathered around this parade route. Why? Because triumphal procession was happening. Now, if you were in the military in Paul's day, or you've seen other military triumphal uh, things in history, uh, we could see triumph after uh, World War II, when uh, many uh, sailors and soldiers come back uh, to parades. Uh, and uh, there is triumphal processions that happen that we uh, see about. They're so exciting. Because what is, uh, what is it about a triumphal procession that excites you? I remember the la one of the last time the Patriots' uh, triumphal procession happened, that it just so happened that our school canceled school for snow, but it didn't cancel the parade. So many that canceled school were so excited because now they could go to this parade and they could brave the elements, right, to go to this parade. Uh, because they had off school and they didn't have to miss school to be part of the, the, uh, the procession. Triumphal processions are so exciting. If you are a diehard fan of the team, if you could care less about the Patriots, I bet you wouldn't stand out in the cold or sit on piles of snow to cheer on a team that you could care less that they won, right? If I don't really like hockey, I don't really watch baseball that much, I don't really watch the NBA that much. I couldn't really care less. And whenever any of those teams win, even if they're teams that are in the city that I love, eh, it's okay. I don't really care. But if you're a diehard fan, if you have people over for every game, if you've got jerseys and you've got season tickets and you've got a lot of money invested in this team. When that team wins, triumphal procession, here we come. As Christians, we are always in triumphal procession. Always. Now, there is never a team that is always winning. You say, well, how about the Patriots? No, they had, they had years where they didn't win. The closest I could find in doing some history of the last hundred years was the Celtics. 
where they won from 1957 to 69. Of the 13 seasons, they won 11 times. And I think it was eight times in a row. So there were, it was almost like a given. Oh, the Celtics are in it, they're going to win. But I wasn't alive in the 1950s or 60s. And many of you weren't either, and many of you couldn't care less, right? Maybe a few of you did. And you remember those, the, the glory days, right, at the Celtics, winning every year. But even the Celtics, in that 13 years, they didn't win two of those years. And we're not guaranteed to win all the time in, in a sport. But you know what? In Christ Jesus, look at verse 14. In Christ, we are, God is always leading us in triumphal procession. We are in a very secure position in Christ, and it is better than being guaranteed a spot on top of a duck boat parade at the end of a sports season. If you were best friends or your dad was on a team or he was a coach, you had a good chance of sitting on top of a duck boat while the rest of the 1.5 million fans are gathered around the parade route and you get a privileged position in this triumphal procession. But in Christ, we are always led in triumphal procession. Why? Because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, Romans 8 says. And while the world hates Christ and won't show up at the triumphal procession if given a choice, we are in a very privileged position to always be led in triumphal procession. We are always led in victory. And then, verse 14 continues. And through us, God the Father, working through us, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Who is the Him? Probably Christ. We are the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. It doesn't say you need to be this. It says this is who we are. We are to thank God for His plan. We are part of God's plan. Every Christian is the is part of this triumphal procession because we're in Christ. And through us, God spreads the fragrance, the aroma, the smell of the knowledge of Him everywhere. What does that mean? That means every one of us spreading to everyone around us, everywhere we go. This is the smell that we put off. Know Christ. Knowing Christ is so, so good. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the almighty father. He is the everlasting God and the prince of peace. And when you and I know him, 
and we interact and influence people around us, this is what they smell in us. Knowledge of Christ. This is who we are as, as Christians. Why? Because we know him. How do we know him? Because he has saved us. And he has given us the privilege of being in his family. And we're sitting around the table of the king. We know the king. The king always wins. Easter reminds us of that. Jesus never loses. You say, what about the crucifixion? He was in charge of the crucifixion. He spoke and all of the people who came to arrest him fell over. That speaks of authority and power. If he did not want to be arrested, Jesus said, I could have called 12 legions of angels. Thousands and thousands and thousands of angels could have swooped down and just wiped the planet clean of every enemy of Jesus. And he held the angels back. We know him. What gives Tom Brady's son the privilege to sit in a duck boat in triumphal procession? He knows Tom Brady. How does he know him? He's his son. What gives us the right to sit in triumphal procession? We know Christ. That's it. We know him. But remember, just like cilantro, where some people think it tastes like dish soap but would never put it on a burrito or in their salsa if they can help it. We are, let's look at verse 15. So we are the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ. And if you miss the fragrance aspect, he, he repeats it. We are the aroma of Christ to God. We smell like Christ to God. God is pleased with us smelling like Christ. Okay, and uh, welcome back. And we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we need to be thankful to God that we are in Christ and he leads us in triumphal procession. We are the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, that's to those who are being saved, or to those who are perishing, I'm sorry, first, we are the fragrance from death to death. And to the other, we are a fragrance from life to life. What is he saying here? What do we smell like? We're smelling like Christ. We know Christ. We're encouraging others, everyone, everywhere to know Christ. And we tell people, if I can know Christ, you can know Christ because you're probably better than me. I'm a rotten, I'm the chief of sinners. And if God will save me and allow me to know him, he can save you and allow you to know him too. 
and everyone, everywhere, we are a fragrance of, to those who are perishing, we are a fragrance from death to death. Why do we smell like death to those who are perishing? My younger brother uh, told me a story about a couple years ago. He had a friend that was um, in a later stage of life, and this friend didn't have a lot of other friends, so he would go check on him, and there was a couple days where this man didn't respond to texts and calls, so my brother went into, and he had a key to his house, went into his house, and as soon as he opened the door, like, oh, smelled like death. This man had passed away on his couch. And if you've ever smelled death before, it's a smell that you don't forget. It's one of those smells that sticks in your brain. And when the world looks at us, worse than someone who hates cilantro and it smells like dish soap to them, we smell like death to them. Why do we smell like death to those who are perishing? Because they're rejecting our Savior. See, when you reject Christ, Christ smells like death to you. We tell them to know him. We were once dead in trespasses and sins. We smelled, Christ smelled like death to us at one point. And as we speak of Christ to those who reject him as Lord and Savior, we then warn them, if he is not your Lord and Savior, he will judge you one day. Genesis 18 says, will not the judge of the whole earth do what is right? And that is when Christ, probably a Christophany, Christ in the Old Testament appears to Abraham and he talks to Abraham and Abraham pleads for Sodom and Gomorrah and said, will you spare the city if there's just this 10 people that are righteous in Sodom? And Abraham asked God that because he says, I know the judge of all the earth will do what's right. Christ is the judge. When he comes, he says that the Father gives all judgment of the earth to the Son, and that's in John 5. He is not only judge of the earth. In Revelation 19, he comes back and he has many titles, and two of them that you know very well. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why do we smell like death? to those who are perishing, because they hate our Savior. Why do some people, if you are an Atlanta Falcons fan, why do you hate the triumphal procession that's proceeding through Boston? Because you just got the bad side of history, the worst, the best comeback of all time was against your team. And the Patriots beat you in overtime, 34 to 28. So if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, you hate Tom Brady. You hate the Patriots. Why? Because you cost the, the, the one chance we had at the Super Bowl. You guys took it away from us. You guys already had enough Super Bowls. Let someone else have it, right? Oh, no. When you're in sports, it's cutthroat. We're not having any mercy, right? In Christ, Christ leads us in triumphal procession. 
and we smell like death. Death smells awful. Our message, though, is the same to the rejectors as it is to the followers of Christ. But Christ reminds them of this. They are not in charge of their lives. People who are following their heart and have this illusion that I can control my life, I can control my destiny, when we as Christians are living under the authority of Christ and in this triumphal procession and we tell them to know Christ and submit to Christ, they look at us like we have three heads. What planet are you from? Aren't you listening to all that the world is telling us that we need to follow our heart and that we are in charge and we can do anything we set our minds to? Those are all lies. Why? Because of Christ. Christ is Lord. And if we will confess that he is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. But the world does not want to hear that message. We remind people that they are not in charge of their brief, dark, sinful, selfish lives. They would rather be told that there is nothing after death. You can eat and drink and be merry, for tomorrow you'll die. They would rather be told that there is no God, that we can, we can control our own lives, and all kinds of other lies that people believe in rejecting, rejection of Christ. But the Spirit of Christ in John 16 reminds them of sin and righteousness and judgment. They hate Christ, therefore they hate his messengers, which is us. But we keep speaking, and we keep spreading the aroma of the knowledge of him. It's pretty sad, but this is true. This is reality. He, all Paul is doing here is telling us how things really are. When we know Christ, we smell like death to those who reject Christ. But that's not all we smell like. And to the majority, we smell like that, those who are on the path that's leading to death. But to the other, we are a fragrance from life to life. What does life smell like? If you like the smell of flowers, you're in for a treat. Why? Because we're in spring. Flowers are coming. You may have daffodils that are starting. You're like, oh, it's 32 degrees this morning. But you know what? My flowers are coming up. Spring, here. We survived another winter. Staying light longer. We smell like death to rejectors, but to followers of Christ, we smell like life. To one, the fragrance from life to life. Now that we are alive, now that we are alive because of God, we're born again. We have a ministry to speak of our rescue to those heading for eternal death. At the core of our message is Christ, who gave us life and who offers life to all who follow him. We gather as his people every week. We sing his praises because he called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, 1 John 1 says. We encourage all Christ's followers to know their Savior more and more. And there's this progression from life to life, and it just keeps getting better as we walk with our Savior. We encourage all of Christ's followers to know their Savior. And they respond with thankfulness to their King who gave them life 
and promises them eternal life. Christ's sheep hear his voice and they follow him and he gives them eternal life. And that is as secure as the sovereignty of the Father and the sovereignty of the Son. Why? Because God the Father holds us in his hand and no one can take us out of God's hand. And and the Son, we're in Christ and no one can take us out of Christ, John 10, 27 to 29 tell us. We are secure in Christ. This is our position. We are in triumphal procession here. We smell like death, but we also smell like life. At the same time, we're speaking of Christ, and he is, let's go back to the titles, he is the judge of the earth, and we say, yes, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and judge. He is our Lord, he is our master, he is our savior, and for those who know Christ, we're like, yes, yes, we have life because of him. And he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm like, yes. It doesn't matter what the world says and how much they hate this, triumph, this idea of triumphal procession. They are not going to stop the King of kings and the Lord of lords when he comes. Oh, they will gather their whole nuclear armament that day. And Christ will just speak the word and they will die. How do we know that? Because God's word comes true. It always does. All right, guys, I'm not to be able to click twice. We smell like death to rejectors, and then again, we smell like life to followers. And then Paul asks a question here. So this is, this is who we are. This is where we're at. And this is what we smell like. It's the same smell. Cilantro doesn't change for some people that like it and some people that hate it. It's the same little leaf. We are the same Christians, triumphal procession. We know Christ. We're speaking of the knowledge of him to everyone, everywhere. We live differently than the world. And we smell like death to people who reject Christ. Oh, man, but we smell like life to those who gather like today as his people. This room smells like life. Why? Because you guys smell. And you smell really good. And then Paul asked the question, who is sufficient for these things? That word sufficient is just the word enough. How do we do this? Who can smell like Christ to the world like this? And he's asking, like he has before in 2 Corinthians. Go ahead and switch the slide, guys. He's asking who is sufficient, and he's saying he's calling God to witness and knowing that God knows all things. And as Paul is going to be challenged in this book of his ministry is... um, self-seeking or selfish or not really a, an apostle in all these different ways that the, um, his uh, opponents attack him. He says, we are not like so many peddlers of God's word. If you go to any major city, you know what a peddler is. They get some name brand sunglasses and they sell them to you at a discounted rate. 
The problem is they're not name brand. Those people are peddlers. I looked at uh, some common, if you were to go to the biggest city in our country, New York City, people there, and you have to be aware of people peddling all kinds of stuff, especially like Times Square, where one of the things was they'd take a, a CD, this street musician takes a CD, asks you your name. Oh, your name is Craig. All right, Craig, and he writes Craig on the CD and hands it to you and says, I sell these for $10. Hands it to Craig, and Craig's like, uh, I don't want this. <laughs> but I wrote your name on it. It's impermanent. And it starts getting loud and like forces you to take it. And many people fall for it. And they, okay, here's the $10. And they don't really want this guy's CD. <laughs> They're going to take it, throw it in the trash can. But this guy just got $10 because he's a peddler. He takes something that we would say, I probably wouldn't even give him a dollar for it, but he got $10 out of it because he knows how to play the crowd. Okay, he's a peddler. So verse... 17 says, we are not like so many peddlers of God's word. We have God's word. We're making money because of God's word. We're getting people. And there are people um, out there today that they are peddlers of God's word. They live in mansions. They drive really expensive cars. They never wear the same clothes twice. They are extremely wealthy because they're peddling God's word. And don't fall for it. Don't watch them. Don't buy the prayer hankies. Don't do anything like that. That's, okay, they're peddlers of God's word. But there's so many out there, and they have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. They take a little truth from God's word, and they charge you an exorbitant amount of money just to get a blessing from the prophet. And you're like, okay, this is ridiculous. Well, it was, it was like that in Paul day, Paul's day, too. People that had God's word charged people to hear it, but Paul says, we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but we are men of sincerity. There are amusement parks, as I said, that pump out smells onto the sidewalk so that people walk into their store and buy the waffle cones or buy the cotton candy or other unhealthy food. But man, it smells so good. And those are fake smells. But when you walk into a, a uh, shop that is known for, let's say, waffle cones or cookies or something really good, and it smells like that because they're baking it all in there, that's a genuine smell. You're like, oh, yes. Okay, I know I'm speaking about food right before lunch, so I'm sorry. Um, but there's a, a genuineness about Paul's ministry. He has already used this word previously and said that uh, this is the opposite of something that is uh, fake, something that is not genuine. And someone who is a peddler is someone who gives you uh, an expensive price for something that is not worth what you paid for it. And he says, we're not treating uh, God's word like this. We're going to thank God for evaluating our ministry. And his ministry is dependent on God. Why do I use the word dependent there? Because of the question at the end of verse 16. Who is sufficient to smell like Christ? God makes us sufficient. And as we depend on God to spread this aroma, God uses us. Look back at verse 14. God through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. This isn't just for the elite. This isn't just those who get a word from God today. No, it's for everyone, every Christian. 
spreads this aroma. You are, you smell in a good way. And God's using you. He's using your life in work. You say, I'm the only Christian in my work. Then your work should smell like Christ. Your workplace smells like Christ. Why? Because you're there. And you know him. And you say, I don't like smelling like death. Yes, but there is a, a time when people, when if you were saved as an adult, well, you realize that your smell didn't work right and you needed God to help you smell things correctly. And he made you dead from dead. He quickened you. He made you alive. And now you can smell Christ and he does not smell like death anymore. What's he smell like? He smells like life. Right? Your nose didn't work spiritually because you were dead. But when God makes you alive, Christ smells like life. And now you don't care if people smell death on you. Because that reminds them that judgment's coming and they can avoid the judgment. And you can tell them how they can avoid the judgment. And you're depending on Christ because you realize you're not sufficient. I realize I'm not sufficient for smelling like Christ to everybody when it's hard and when people don't want to smell like death anymore and they just want some fake smells. But we're not like so many peddlers of God's word. We call God to witness against us, and if we're depending on him because we're not sufficient, we can say in sincerity that it is God who's working in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we're expecting to depend on the power of Christ, and then we're expecting genuineness. That's the word there, sincerity. As commissioned by God or as of God, from God. In the sight of God, this is why we have God evaluating our ministry. We speak in Christ. This is how we spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere. We depend on God. He evaluates our dependence. We say we're genuine. We're trusting God to just use us all we are. Our instruments, all we are, our smell, smells to people of knowing Christ. God expects us to ask ourselves how sufficient we are for this ministry. Are we in Christ? Yes, we are. Do we smell like death and life at the same time? Yes, we do. Have you realized that God wants you to speak for him? And God told you that you don't have to have enough education, a personality that draws a crowd, Answers to every question that a skeptic might ask you or anything else for the job. But in Christ, you are chosen by God, commissioned by God. And God's looking for you to say this, here am I, send me. God doesn't need all of our talents to smell like Christ. It doesn't say that. It says this is how the reality of things are. You are all, all Christians smell. We are to depend on the power of Christ and we are to genuinely speak for Christ. God expects us to be genuine. Our speaking to all to know Christ should not be fueled by our flesh, but sincerely by relying on his power. 
Peddlers rely on wits and natural abilities and gigantic personalities, but we rely on Christ. And we are in Christ. And we speak of Christ. And we speak like Christ. Final slide. The full title of the message is Christian Smell. We smell like Christ. Are you okay if the world says Christ reeks of death? Are you okay with that? God made the world in six literal days, and the world says that smells like death and accountability. I don't want to believe in a creator. So we can stop speaking about Christ, or we can say, I'm okay with smelling like Christ. I'm okay with speaking of Christ. I am okay about that. I'm okay if people hate me and try to silence me, and they even put a gun to my head and say, be quiet, or we'll pull the trigger. We smell like Christ. And it seems like we are outnumbered. If we were in a very, very persecuted country, it would even seem worse that we're outnumbered. But you know what? In every country... Every single Christian right now is led in triumphal procession because we're in Christ, always. And we smell like life to those who know him. We smell like death to those who don't know him. And we realize we're not sufficient, so we rely on our Savior. Let's pray. Our Father, it's been a delight to be in your house today to hear your word in Sunday school, to sing your praises, to remember Christ, our Savior, how glorious he is. He smells so good to us. I pray that we would not be intimidated by the world that tells us to not smell so much like death, that we would keep smelling like Christ. This is who you saved us to be. And you want to use us. Help us to realize that we're not sufficient for this task and this ministry. But you make us sufficient. And you evaluate our hearts to see if we're genuinely ministering for you. And I pray that you would find in our hearts just a desire to please you and not the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.